We're in a series called Blockbusters. Now, if you're like me, when summertime came, when I was growing up, I was all about the movie theaters growing up. Now, we had like a really crusty movie theater growing up, like down the street from my house. But if you got in your car and drove a little bit, like 20 minutes in St. Louis, there was a really nice one, you know, where the seats would kind of do their do the little thing. And it was really nice. But but blockbusters, you know, there was always something. There was that movie growing up. It's a little bit less this way now. But there was always that movie where you would go and then you would go see it again. And you get all your friends and if they hadn't seen it before, well then you're gonna go you you'd go again. It didn't matter how many times you were seeing, it was just that good. It was the, the blockbuster, right? Many of us don't know that the word blockbuster is actually a term from war. It's a war term. It was the word used for an aerial bomb that was so powerful that it could bust up an entire street block. And they called it a blockbuster. And so when a movie came around that was so big and so disruptive to people's summer, they called it a blockbuster movie. And so we're in a series right now, not because we're just talking about blockbuster films and that's all we're going to do about it at church, but, but we actually believe that there is another kind of blockbuster, a blockbuster truth that's so significant that when you hear it, when you believe it, when you apply it, that it will disrupt and reorient everything you know about how you live, parent, be married, be a child, be a teenager, be in anything. It will jack up how you live in a great way for God's kingdom. It will mess you up. Jesus has a way, if you read the scriptures, of messing things up, does he not? People do not walk away from Jesus in scriptures just nominal. They either walk away really sad because they're unwilling to let that truth change their life, or they walk away completely transformed. And that's what we're after today. We want God, the Holy Spirit, to mess you up in a glorious way today. It's a good thing, isn't it? You say that. <laughs> yes. Sometimes when God messes you up, it's painful. But it's always good. He's a good father. Turn to Deuteronomy 7, 6. We're going old school this morning. We're going to start out in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Most of you don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'd like to read from Deuteronomy today. You don't do that. But we're going to get into it just a little bit today. And before we do, I want to ask you a question. What is something that you currently value? What's something that you have as a possession in your home or in your car or in your something that you really value? It's rhetorical. I'm not putting any pressure on you to answer this. But think about it for a second. In our world of, of the digital age, being able to define something that you value has gotten harder because most of us have so many of our valuables either insured or backed up on that cloud. It used to be you'd ask this question and people would have an immediate answer. What do you think it would be? My photo album. People don't even know what a photo album is anymore. <laughs> so what is it that you value? 
If you're a parent, obviously you value your children. You value your, your pets. People crazy value their dogs and pets and cats and animals and all that stuff. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll fight you over that. But what else do you value? You value maybe, maybe a car. Maybe you've got that vintage ride that's just sitting in the garage and you don't even drive it. You just go in there and look at it. Did you like my shake with that that I did? Yeah, I know you did. I don't know what happened there. It was, that, was, that was powerful. So, what else? What do you value? I've got a, a you know, couple signed baseballs that are on the top shelf of my closet. I don't even have the little, you know, the little, the little plastic cube that, you know, that, that, that protects them yet. But they're on the top shelf. Because one of my favorite players gave me one of those baseballs. It means a lot to me. Would I go get those in case of a fire? Maybe. But I, I'll tell you what I would get. I mean, of course I'd get my children. That's obvious. <laughs> you know what else I would get, though? I have a Bible. When my dad died, I have one of his Bibles that he wrote notes in, that he highlighted. And you know where I don't put it? I don't put it out in the, on the bookshelf or the, the bookcase or the cabinet for other people to use. Sorry. Uh, when we have life group at our house, you know, this isn't the Bible that I'm passing around. Why? Because it's too valuable. I don't let my kids flip through it because they'll tear pages out of that thing. And it's a valuable possession to me. And it's something that if anything were to happen, it'd be one of the first things that I go to get. Because it means a lot to have the Bible that my dad had before he died. We all have things that we value. Think about it. What do you value? Deuteronomy 7.6 says this about God. While God is not a person like you and I, he has things that he values as well. He says, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, his people, believers in Jehovah God. He says, the Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So when we speak of value, and if you are a parent or a soon-to-be parent or an eventual parent, there's no question the most valuable thing that you will ever be put in charge of is your children. Interestingly enough, then when we look at the Scriptures and we see what it is that God values, guess what it is? It's His children. His children being those who have put their faith in Him. He says that we are a chosen people, a holy people, his most treasured possession. Think about it for a second, because this can be difficult for us to wrap our minds around God as a father, and he says that the most valuable thing to him on this entire planet, of everything that he's created, from the stars in the sky to the moon to the sun, to all the animals, to, the na to nature, to, 
to just the most glorious things that can at times even bring tears to your eyes because they're so beautiful. All of that is second to his most treasured possession. And that's you. And that's me. It's an incredible thing to try to grasp and to understand that this is how the God of creation feels and thinks about you and I. And this word holy, he says that we're set apart, that we're different. This is what you do with things that you consider to be valuable. You put them in places that are different. You treat them differently because that's what it means for something to have value. It's not like the rest. Are you tracking with me this morning? You and I are not like anything else that God has made. You're nothing like it. And because of that, he treasures you higher than anything else. And he has set you apart, and he has made you unique, and he has made you different. And in a moment, we're going to show a video clip of a blockbuster film that's out currently right now. And this blockbuster movie is going to point us to some blockbuster truth. But it's about somebody who has some, we might say, wonderful ability. But she doesn't realize it. She doesn't know it. She's unaware of who she really is and what she's actually been given. It's like somebody sitting in a chair and someone telling you that you're God's most treasured possession and you sit here and you're like, yeah, that's good. That's great. Awesome. No, you, no, no, no. You don't get it. No, you don't get it. We're going to take a look from a clip from the movie that's out right now called Wonder Woman. Go ahead and roll it. Harder. You're stronger than this, Diane. Again. your guard down. You expect a battle to be fair. A battle will never be fair. First of all, the fight scenes in that movie were boss. If you haven't seen them, they were awesome. Okay. So I realize I'm going to have a difficult time reeling all of you back in because it was a great movie. That being said, I want you to hear this because there are two amazing things that are said right here that point us to some tremendous truth that you and I need to understand about you and I and us together. Wonder Woman is being trained. Her name is Diana. She's being trained, but she doesn't realize what's actually inside of her. And so here her, her, her trainer, so to speak, is pushing her and provoking her to try to get what's really inside on the outside. And she looks at her and she says, you're stronger than this. And she pulls out that sword and she goes to work. 
And Diana's defending it and blocking it, and then she knocks the sword out of her hand. And, but all the while, guess what the trainer is still saying? You think, you think the enemy wants to play fair? You think he's going to throw fair punches and play fair? No. You need to understand this truth. You are stronger than you realize. And because you're stronger than you realize, you don't have to put up with this punk fighting you the way he's fighting you. You've got something more inside of you. And she does her little Wonder Woman move and fire, whatever. I don't even know what happens. All I know is it looks awesome. (laughs) And what you find out, and I'm not giving away anything in the movie in case you haven't seen it, is that there's something unique about Diana. Her father is Zeus, the god of all gods on Mount Olympus. You find this out early on in the movie, it's not a surprise. Trust me. If you know anything about the comic book, it's also not a surprise. I've got a mutiny on my hands right now that's happening. (laughs) I want you to hear this. Her father is the king, King Zeus. And because she is the daughter of the king, the God King, she has power that she does not even fathom that's been given to her. And so the source of her great strength is her relationship with her father. I'm going to say this one more time. I'm going to try to say it in a way that actually uh, makes sense rather than kind of fumbling through it. Um, well, I don't have it written down the way I want it to. So understand this. Your big idea today is that like Wonder Woman, if you want to access the strength that God actually has for you, then you need to pay attention to the relationship that you have with him. Because most of us walk around forgetting the fact that you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then that makes you a son and a daughter of the Most High King. And that fact, and that fact alone, means that you have an unbelievable access to the power of God. With me this morning. I know everybody's going to want to go see Wonder Woman after church today. I might have to go see it again. We'll see. So I want you to hear this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, this is Peter, the apostle, speaking, verse 13. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Now when we read from the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7, guess what the scriptures are pointing us to already? That by virtue of you being his treasured possession, that you are unique, that you are different, that you have been set on a higher shelf, okay? We aren't like the rest of creation. You aren't like the trees and the dogs and the dust and the this and the that. That is not who you are. 
You have been made holy. And the word holy literally means to be set apart. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the scriptures say that you are filled with this thing called the Holy Spirit. Words that if you've grown up in church, you just get used to hearing. But understand that you're filled with a spirit that isn't like everything else. It's a unique thing. It's a special thing. It's a different thing. There's none like it. It is the holy, set-apart spirit of God. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you are filled with it. And it makes you different, set-apart, and special, his treasured possession. And then you get to do this amazing thing called reading the scriptures. And if you actually have a paper Bible and you look on the outside of that thing and you read it, what does it actually say on the front of it? It doesn't just say Bible. It says Holy Bible. Because this isn't just a book that you would buy at the bookstore, although you can buy it at the bookstore. It's not just an ordinary book. It's a book that's been set apart. It's special. It's unique. It's different. It's holy. But if you're like me, when you hear the word holy and you think about living holy or you think of holiness in general, you begin to think of Old high church. Thee and thou, and what on earth is this man speaking of? You think of that old religion, do you not? We think of, if you grew up Pentecostal, you maybe think of revivals, okay? Mm, gospel trios. Yeah. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I don't because that wasn't my, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up more righteous than that. Oh, talking trash. Okay, joking aside. Some of you might think of the, the, the no-no list of living holy. Don't drink. Don't dance. Don't play cards. Oh, and while you're at it, do not have sex before you're married. And if you avoid those four things, well, then you are holy. And somehow that has, you know, just, you now have a thriving relationship with Jesus. But that isn't true at all. And that's not inherently what it means to be holy. To be holy is to understand your position before your great and heavenly Father, that he has called you a son or a daughter, and that he has a special purpose for you, a sacred purpose for you. And because that's true, it's not that we just desire to live this way anymore. We desire to live out of, out of honor and pleasing respect to our heavenly Father. We don't live out of trying to earn our right standing before our Father. That has already been done for us by Jesus Christ. But to understand what it means to be holy is to understand who you are before God and in Jesus Christ. You guys with me today? Because Peter says something extraordinary He says, as obedient children, this is verse 14, 
do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he was called you as holy, be holy in all you do. Relevance has become the thing we prize more than anything else in American Christianity. And I have really bad news for you today. Relevance is overrated. And holiness is completely underrated. And we have traded in so many things for the sake of trying to do everything we possibly can to look like everybody else. And if you're sitting here this morning and maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus, this is not a slight to you in any way, shape, or form. But understand that there are some things that God is asking, commanding, inviting, exhorting, if you've put your faith in Jesus, to do and to look like and to live like. Not out of earning salvation, but out of relationship with the Heavenly Father. Relevance is actually overrated. I get that we want to win the lost. But we have to understand and grasp that in many circles, our moral compass looks no different than everybody else's. And it should. Our staff, we joke, because when everybody first was, was moving here, we joked about there's something that I used to say all the time, especially when it came to the Holy Spirit. I would say things, <laughs> I would say, guys, do not be weird, okay? Nobody needs you to look weird or lead weird or don't be strange. We are not strange or weird, okay? I would say it all the time because sometimes when you believe in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, people act a little wonky at times. Anybody ever heard that, seen that before? It, it can happen. So there was, there was some necessary conversation that took place there leading our team, but I also want you to hear this. Sometimes the world, the only acceptable view that the world should have of you is that you're weird and that you're strange because there's no other reason you would live that way other than a holy God has changed you and made you holy. That's it. And if your life doesn't in any way ever look strange, if it never looks weird to an unbelieving world, then you got to ask yourself what God has really done in your heart. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit, if you put your faith in Jesus, to really change you and transform you and make you new? Because I promise you, there are some things that in your love of the Father, He should be making new in your life. Amy and I were on a plane not too long ago. And first of all, if you're on a long enough flight and you have the little digital screen in front of you and can watch movies, it is seriously the most amazing thing in the world. Like our kids weren't with us. People were bringing me drinks, like Coca-Cola. Not I wasn't getting liquored up on the plane. Let's just clarify that. They were bringing me Coke and pretzels and chips. and, and all. I mean, it was awesome. You just pushed a button, and people showed up, and they were bringing you stuff. And by the way, I could touch the screen in front of me and access to like a thousand movies. This, this is amazing. 
okay? This is my love language right here. Headphones, it's quiet, no distraction, drink, snacks, and a movie. Oh, yeah. And so there, was, there, there were movies on it, and, and there was a comedy. Now, normally what I do is I, I pull up my phone and I search the content of a movie. That way that I can, you know, I kind of know what I'm walking myself into. I can make a choice to whether I want to avoid it or not. But I don't have Wi-Fi access on the plane. And there's a comedy that I'd really been wanting to see. It has one of my favorite actors in it who I think is hilarious. And so Amy's sitting next to me. She's watching her own movie. I start my movie. And, you know, I'm thinking this is great. It's already funny. And within 10 minutes, there's a pretty powerful sex scene on the screen. Okay? Now... Let's sit, pause for a second. What kind of weirdo do you have to be to be watching sexed up movies on a plane, on a screen, with all kinds of people around you? That's all jacked up. Or your wife sitting next to you. <laughs> True. True. But here's the thing. I looked at Amy, you know, and she looked at me. And, you know, so I, I did the whole, you know, I'm, I'm looking down. And I'm not looking at it. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna, we're just going to power through this. Because I, I want to, this movie I'm sure is funny. And I want to be able to talk and joke about with people about it, right? I mean, it's a popular movie. I don't want to miss this. And I'm sitting next to Amy and I just, she probably felt it too. I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, just go ahead and turn it off. I want to see this. I don't want to see that. But I want to see this movie. Can I just can I just ignore this? No. Just turn it off. You're stronger than this. You're better than that. But God we do this all the time. Forget a movie that has a trashy scene in it or a TV show that has a trashy scene in it or continuous trashy scenes in it. There are so many things that we persist in, either out of the desire to have relevance or simply the desire of our flesh because we simply want to do it. But Ephesians 4.30, it tells us something really powerful that we should keep in mind. It says in Ephesians 4.30, uh, the, Paul, the writer Paul says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Your translation might say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. You know how you grieve the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you? You persist in things that are not holy. You allow your mind to be filled with garbage, your eyes to be filled with garbage. You allow your thoughts to be filled and be consumed by things that aren't holy. Amy and I have to guard ourselves. It is not truly a great temptation for me to watch things that are trashy. It's not. It wasn't that difficult. I wanted to see that movie because it was funny, but I wasn't tempted to watch this movie because it had trashy scenes in it, although that might be someone's temptation. But you know what it, we can fall into? Complaining. Whining. Never speaking well about things. Not believing the best. 
but believing the worst. Now, you look at that and you say, well, what's the big deal? Like, just deal with it. No, understand, when you persist in it, it grieves the Spirit of God inside of you. And you can feel, it's not that God leaves you or His presence for something, you know, leaves you, but you, you can, there comes a moment where you just don't feel well on the inside, and you know something's not right. Peter says it well. Stop living the way you used to live and live the way God has invited you to live. You are stronger than this. You're better than this. You have more strength in you than you realize. Don't you know that you are a son or a daughter of the king? He has given you the Holy Spirit and he's given you his holy word. Use it and be set apart. You just might look strange, and you just might look weird. Praise God. That is the calling that you and I get to have. We don't, we don't have to have it. We get to have it. Let me close with this, because we're going to take a moment, and we're going to celebrate communion today. And one of the things that we, we should remember as we look at God is, is that he's a holy God. And that's a, that's a scary thing at times. That the God we serve is holy. And because he's holy, he has to look at sin and he has to punish that sin. A perfect and righteous and holy God would never allow his perfect nature to be tainted by that which is unrighteous. And so sin must be punished. But the great news about the God that we serve is that he isn't just holy, he is also loving. And so this holy God in his perfect nature who also loved his treasured possession didn't just declare war on our sin, he did it with a loving nature and he took the punishment upon himself. Because he's holy, but he's also loving. He's a good father. And so now our calling as saints, as those who have professed faith in the living God, who have been changed from the inside out, is to actually live changed from the inside out. Our lives should be telling the story of the greatest blockbuster the world has ever known. The world desperately needs to see you and me. Sometimes being strange and weird. Living holy because that's your calling. They need to see you living holy because it's your created purpose and your ultimate destiny is to be holy. Because of the price Jesus paid for you, it is your calling to be holy. Because your example may inspire someone who is watching you to choose Jesus over all the other things of the world. Worship team, would you come up on stage?
As I do, I want to share uh, one last little story here. My son watches everything that I do right now. <laughs> he's eight. He watches things that I don't even know he's watching. And then I'll hear him say it, and I'll think, where on earth did you hear that? Oh, You heard that from me. One of the things that I'm trying to do, and, and I'm, not, I'm not asking for everyone's, you know, feedback in this moment, but I want to drop a couple pounds, okay? Confession, true story. One of the things that I love are potato chips. I love them. I could eat them with every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, know, I don't but I could. And we had this bag of potato chips that was out on the counter, and Amy was out of town, you know, this, this weekend with Caroline, and I wasn't eating the chips. And somehow in my conversation, he'd heard me talk about how I w was going to stop eating potato chips because I was, you know, I was going to start making a couple healthier choices, eat f some more fruit and vegetables, things like this. And so in the car ride home, we're talking, and he had, he, I asked him if he wanted these chips, and he said, no, I'd rather have an apple. <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh. Okay. Where'd you hear that? I said, oh, man, I heard that from you, Dad. If you're not going to eat chips, well, why would I want to eat chips? It's one of those moments, like a lightning bolt. Man, if my, my daddy doesn't want to do that, why would I want to do that? God, would you help me? God, I want to thank you for making us holy and Lord, thank you that you love us like no other. You call us your children. You call me a son. You call me a daughter. You've called me holy to be set apart. And yet so often I get sidetracked living in a manner or living in a way or thinking in a way or eyes and ears and mouth, heart in a way that just, it just isn't holy. It's not set apart in honor to Jesus, to our Heavenly Father. It's easy to forget who your daddy is. To know that you have been made holy and that you are stronger than this. That in forgiveness, you don't just get to offer forgiveness. You get to offer God's forgiveness, his holy forgiveness. You don't just get to extend mercy. You get to walk in his holy mercy. You don't just get to be generous. You get to be holy generous. You don't get to just be loving. You get to be and walk in his holy, loving grace. See, it's different. It's set apart. And that's who God has made you to be.